In, um, in my general experience, uh, there's two um, types of sermon of talk that go badly wrong. Uh, there are those that are uh, underprepared, and there are those that are overprepared. Uh, and strangely, I seldom get into the second category. Uh, but this is one of those dangers when, I, when actually some of the stuff that I think Holy Spirit's opened up in this little phrase, in this passage tonight, remember we're studying Revelation, and we haven't got beyond chapter 1, verse 8 yet, but we're getting there. Uh, but there's stuff here which just, I mean, I think it's brilliant and it fascinates me. You may not, I mean, I get fascinated by most weird things, as you know. Um, I, I still have this massive interest in drains, which very few people share, um, and how they work and stuff. Uh, and I still think it's, a, it's an absolute mystery to me how, how the Victorians built the drainage system in London. It's all, it's all gravity-driven. How do they get the 3D things? Anyway, that's another issue. There's stuff here which really gets me going in a way. But I don't want to land on that stuff. I want to land in a way where revelation is, where it's a, a view. It's, an, it's a drawing back a curtain to the most amazing presence of God a spiritual picture of what's really going on. And it's not just a heaven picture. It's a heaven picture which impacts what's happening here and now. That makes sense? And so I sort of pray uh, that, that I don't get too much carried away with some of the illustrations and stuff, but we get to the core. Um, and I know where I'm going to land. And that's always a good thing to get to. But let's start at the beginning, because Laurie's given me this phrase, Alpha and Omega. And it comes... A few times in Revelation. So I want to take the text first. The first text, this may work. Um, the first one's Revelation 1.8. And I've got them on screen because there's quite a lot. So it's half of the gang at the back. Thank you, Boe James, for doing the tech today uh, with Paul. First one, Revelation 1.8 is, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Is he going to come on screen? Push once. Might go. You never know. Again. Okay. You have to click it through. Uh, says the Lord, who is and was and is to come. Uh, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come. I've, last time I did this, I spoke on that passage, that phrase, who is and was and is to come. Remember? Who was here then? Right, great. Keep your hands up. For those who are here, who remembers what I said? Yeah. I bless you for your honesty uh, and uh, whatever. Um, so I'll duck that entirely, look up the notes on that, or go back to the sermon and talk on it. This phrase, Alpha and Omega, which is what Laurie gave me. Uh, and it comes again, second place is in Revelation 1.17, um, when uh, Jesus says, I felt, well, this is John saying actually, I feel his feet. He placed his hand, Jesus, on me and said, do not be afraid, I'm the first and the last. Now, of course, Alpha and Omicra are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And so it really means first and last. His fundamental meaning is Alpha and Omega. We would say A to Z. It's the whole caboodle. But it emphasizes the beginning and the end. It has this meaning of the whole thing, but it emphasizes alpha, beginning, and omega, first and last. And it comes up again, and each time it comes up, it's slightly stronger. So in verse, chapter 21, verse 6, come back to that, he said, it is done, this is Jesus again, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. This is a promise with it. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. A massive promise 
in a sort of, I don't know, in a, in a pictorial, metaphoric way, right? The refreshment of the Spirit, the, 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 what we need to be his people. And Jesus says that because I am the first and the last. I start it and I end it, and this is the promise. And then in 21 13, I am the Alpha and the, here we go, this is the total thing now. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So I've had all those bits separately. I'm the first and the last, and then I'm the Alpha and the Omega, and then the Alpha and the Omega are the first and the last, and now Alpha and the Omega, first and the last. Beginning in the end. I don't know what that technique is in public speaking where you say things three times, it underlines it, but it's got a name. Kathy will probably tell me. Right? When you do a talk and you like, say the same thing basically in three different ways, you make a list of things. And she doesn't go and tell me. So that's fine. And that, that emphasis, I think, uh, is intentional in it because the hearers of this letter, Revelation, written to a, a, a church struggling under persecution. And with more persecution coming. And something about the truth that our God holds history in his hand, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, is a really important thing to gather. As I, when, I, when I first started thinking about this and praying about this, I got this little phrase. It's beginning, first, it's really straightforward. In the beginning there was God. Nothing else, yeah? And at the end there'll be God. Actually with us as well, we'll come at that in a minute. But it'll be neat. It's the messy middle that's tricky. Between those two endpoints, sometimes it can look like God is not in control. But Jesus says, I am the first and the last. The beginning and the end. The alpha and the omega. And Bell and Boyce. And that is, I think, confidence to the people it's written to. And it should be confidence to us too. That's the God we know, who knows us, who loves us, who's brought us into his presence. He is the God who's the beginning and the end. Now, I want, to do, I want to look at both those bits a little bit. Um, I'm going to say more about the beginning because I've got more understanding of that. But both bits are important. And at both ends of history, this is cosmos history, this is our history, there's a sense in which I'm not sure God has a history like that. People talk sometimes very loosely about God being outside time. And that always annoys me because I don't quite know what they mean by that. Whenever I challenge people, they don't have a good enough understanding of time to work out what outside it means. Right? So let's not say that. In fact, if you push it, I think quite often um, the truth about God is so awesome that we're never going to understand it. Do you get? We can believe it. I know absolute truth. I think Augustine says, you know, I believe so I might understand, not I try to understand so I can believe. Absolute truth about God, I can, I can grant his love. He's eternal. But, but for us... For our cosmos, for our, we have got a timeline history, and it starts at a point and it ends. This is actually not only um, revelation in the Bible; it's also what God told us. Genesis starts with earth as forms out void, God created, and it's going to end with a new heaven and a new earth. This timeline we're in, which started science 13.5 billion years ago in a big bang, and will end who knows when, because God intervenes that but it'll end. That timeline that we're in is for us, and we experience God in that timeline. For us, there is a beginning and an end. For God, I'm not sure those words mean whatever, what they mean, but for us, they do. And so let's look at, go back to the beginning a little bit. The Old Testament has the same thing. There's a couple of, next slide, if it works now. There's a couple of verses in the Old Testament where he doesn't use Alpha and Omega, obviously. Why not? Yeah, written Hebrew, you see. 
Aleph and whatever the last letter of the Hebrew. The, the, the he, I gave up the Hebrew because it's written backwards. Um, and I never quite got any handle with it at all. I can't even tell you. Laurie, what's the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet? Do you know? Anyone else? No. I have no idea. Alpha and whatever it is. Aleph and, yeah. <laughs> um, Alpha and the Omega, but he, these things saying first and the last. And that's, again, an Old Testament name. Just want to say on passing, sometimes for us it's quite hard, I think. But the God who's revealed in the Old Testament, who speaks to Adam and to Noah and to Abraham and to Saul and to all that lot, it's the same God. He is consistent. The way his people experience and understand him, because we're in a timeline that flows through, does sort of change, actually. There's a development of, of revelation through that. Not because God is changing, but the intersection of God and his creation and us does. And isn't that true for us individually as well? As, as I live, as a, you know, I try to follow Jesus but my, my, my grasp of what it means has changed over the years. It should do, shouldn't it? Gets deeper and better. I pray God it gets, I've got time to get better still because I still feel in many ways I'm only starting on the process of getting what it means to be a spiritual Christian, enforcing his uh, kingdom in my world. So it's the Old Testament too. The very beginning, I think the next slide should be up. I don't know if it is or not. Very straightforward, I put, just God. Before our time, our world, our cosmos started, there was God. That is all there is, as far as we can know. No. Who knows what happened in terms of outside that? Um, I'm not even going to speculate about whether there's a timeline for angels and things. Who knows? For us, it starts when God said, let there be light, and there was light. Creation is an amazing, awesome thing. It's just blows my mind. And some of the truths about God, which I think are important to us, I think sometimes we can lose, are sort of, for me, are coloured, are illustrated by the amazing creation that we know about. Paul says, doesn't he, that what they should know about God, we're talking about pagans, which should have been obvious from the beginning, his eternal character and stuff. And, and some of that, for me, comes out of understanding a little bit about how amazing the cosmos is. And, and you know, that's part of my, my sort of thinking, whatever else, about this stuff. But God is saying here to, to, to um, early readers through John to the churches, look, I started this stuff off. It is my cosmos. It's it, me that did it. You can have confidence and trust that I've got it going, because it is mine. On the, at the beginning of it, it was mine. David catches this in, in a psalm, a psalm 8. Lord, how majestic is your name on all the earth. You set your glory in the heavens. Through the, the, through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against... I love that, by the way. I love that. All right? It's like, it's again, a theme in the whole of the uh, Bible, in the New Testament. There's something about a simplistic understanding of God loves me and he's my saviour. And that is all I need to do to declare the path of darkness dead. You can go to deep theology about it, but you don't need that stuff. Right? It's really very simple. You get, you know, I've, I've, well, I mean, many of us have been involved teaching young people and children. Children quite young can get sometimes spiritual truth very deeply. 
and decay and enforce it. And, and it's one of the mistakes the church made, I think, for a time, that you had to sort of grow up to a certain level before you could understand it. No, it's not, actually, it's not that hard. It's through, through the lips of children and infants you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger, Satan. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and earth stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? That's where he goes to it. David had no idea when he says about, the, when I consider the stars and the moon which you set in place, he had no idea what he's talking about. He had no idea just how massive that is. He had no idea how fantastically complicated. 25 years ago, roughly, 1995, a guy working on the uh, team for the Hubble Space Telescope, who was a bit of a maverick, decided to do a personal experiment. He almost got in trouble for it. He took 10 days, and he took the Hubble Telescope, and he pointed it at a point in the sky where, to all telescopes looking normally, you could see nothing. The bit of sky you look at is tiny. If you hold up a pin, an ordinary pin, at arm's length, the head of the pin is roughly the bit it looked at. Right, do you get that? In terms of scale, right? A tiny bit of the sky. Looked to, chose a bit where there were no planets, nothing very interesting, and he turned Hubble on for 10 days to take a long-time exposure. This is the picture that Hubble brought back. And it blew the mind of professional astronomers. Just crowded with galaxies. Every dot there is a galaxy. These are so far away. They're not stars. They're galaxies. Galaxies contain 10,000 million stars. The scale is just mind-blowing. Probably now we think that some of the order of, you know, two or three million, million galaxies, each one containing some of the order of 10,000 million stars. And as far as we know, we're us. David had no idea when he said, I consider the works of your hands, the moon and stars that you've made. God made this stuff. And, and there's something here about scale factors, about, I'm going to say things like, God is not only more loving than you think, he's more loving than you can think. He's not any more faithful than you know, he's more faithful than you can know. He's not any more just than you can work out, he's more just than you can work out. You can't outbig God. And for me, one of the pictures of that, one of the, one of the examples of that, what speaks to me is this, the Hubble Deep Space View, that, that says, it's just ridiculously big. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So much there. The red dots, by the way, are those who are vaguely interested. It's a couple of red dots and things. Very faint red dots, bottom left, see a couple, um, are galaxies that are so far away that their light's red-shifted, Doppler-shifted into the, into the red. Um, and some of, the, pitch, some of the, the things there are, we're looking back 10-odd billion years into the past because the light takes a while to reach us. They've just launched over Christmas. Um, the best thing about Christmas was having, um, being in church. Um, the second best thing was family. But the third best thing was they launched the James Webb Space Telescope, uh, which will look in the infrared and will look even further back. And who knows what we'll see from that. Because he's an awesome God. And in a way, I don't know. See, no, hang on. So far, I've been talking truth. This is speculation. I would like to say to God, in fact, one of the questions I might ask him if I get a chance will be, did you have to create that many galaxies? Or was it just for fun? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, there, there's, is it there's something fundamental in the physics that you need that many galaxies to make life on Earth work? 
Or is it just because you just got carried away? <laughs> I suspect it's the latter. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to say that theologically. But it just, you know, oh well, this is me. Back to my notes or go on forever. In the beginning, God created. And that speaks something about it. And if you know anything, whether... See, Jesus spoke to John in a vision. And the message was very much for struggling churches in Asia Minor at that time. Amen. But Jesus speaks to John and the word is forever. And John had no idea. David had no idea. John had no idea. How, but Jesus knew there would come a generation of people for whom the beginning... Now we actually see that that's just awesome. And David says, when I consider the work of your hands, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And you've got to be careful here. There's a balance here. In one sense, it's an awesome cosmos, and I'm a speck in it. And there's an element of truth in that. But also, I have incredible significance because Father God loved me, and you guys too love me, he set his heart on me. His son died for me. And he's raised me into his presence. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That's where my significance is. That's where, you know, I'm not nothing. I am a son of God. I'm a son of the king. It's just awesome. That's the beginning. The end is slightly more um, complicated. Well, that's not really. Can you get the end slide? You may get most scanned through the James Word telescope thing. Yeah, no, back one if you can. That's the one. Thank you. Alpha and the Omega, first and the last, beginning and the end. Revelation 21 is largely about the end. Now, the end, we can, I can look back in the beginning, but I can't really look forward in the end in some ways. There's something asymmetric about time, whatever else is about it, that I can tell you about the past, but I can only guess about the future. But we've got Revelation. And this book tells us some stuff about it. There's plenty of other stuff in the, in, the, in the Bible about it as well. Jesus says he'll come again, all that stuff. But Revelation describes a bit in pictorial vision language what it's going to be like. At the end, there will be only God. God will wrap it up. I don't entirely know how that's going to happen, but I know he loves me and he knows what's good for me and I can trust him with it entirely. But there'll only be, at the end, I know, God and those whom, John puts it here in terms of those who wash their robes, I think, in the blood of the Lamb. That's what heaven will be. And, and there are problems with that as well. There's the fundamental problem that even in Revelation, uh, John talks about, about us being in heaven, about you know, his people being there, but those outside being cast out of darkness. And that find, I find that hard. How can a loving God consign? Do you know, I don't think I'll ever understand it. But I'm willing to believe the truth about God and not worry that I can't fully get it. Because here's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And my end, which may be closer than some of yours, I don't know, <laughs> is going to be with God. Amen? And I have the confidence that that's okay. I don't need to know the full details about it. I can utterly, totally accept and believe that God has got it and that he will sort it out. And that he will close down his creation in the same amazing way he did it. And probably it's even more amazing. I mean, I think John gets blown by the bit when he describes it. Read some of the words. A new heaven and a new earth. Oh, back. A new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Remember, that is huge. That thing that's passed away. 
and the new one's better. And there was no longer any sea. Uh, the sea um, is metaphorically always evil comes from the sea. It just went into the sea, really. So I think that just talks about evil having gone as well. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. As B is a note in the footnote, sorry, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order, the old order of things has passed away. The, the end is a whole new creation. And, and I, I can tell you stuff that the Bible seems to tell about it. The, Paul talks about the resurrection body being different but continuous, having a continuity. Right? I don't understand that at all. I mean, I have real questions, Lord. What would we do in heaven? I mean, I'm not good at doing nothing. In fact, I'm rubbish at doing nothing. My, my wife will often say, get out and do something. Get out under my feet. <laughs> Am I, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like I don't actually know how some of the things I'm facing in my life at the moment are going to turn out. I don't know how some of the issues in my family are going to resolve themselves. I don't know how some of the issues for some of the guys I still support at school are going to turn out. I don't know how, uh, what do you call it, um, planning application and stuff is going to turn out. I don't know. But I know the God who does. I know the Alpha and the Omega. I know the Alpha and the Omega who set the thing up is going to bring it to a right end. I can trust him with that. Do you get it? It's awesome. It's mind-blowing. But he is who I know him to be. And part of my groveling, slow journey of understanding that in my life is his faithfulness. It's always faithful. I get it wrong sometimes. I think he should do this and he doesn't. But he's always faithful, his promises. I want him sometimes to do it this way and not the way it works. My ways are not his, sorry, his ways are not my ways. But he's the Alpha and the Omega. And that's an absolute thing, beginning and end. But I think it's also a temporal thing. Whatever thing you're worried about, your family, whatever else, God is at the beginning of that. You'll be at the end of it. He's with you. He's got it. And I've less to say about the end. I've got lots more questions about it. But again, if the first creation was that awesome, how flipping awesome is the new creation going to be? <laughs> I'm looking forward. Are you looking forward to it? I'm not actually ready to die yet, it's untrue, but, but that's what I want. Next slide. I don't want to go too long, because I can. You can't pick up. I just want to end up by saying, look, here's some verses which basically say God is. John, 1 John 4, 16, God is. You can get these, by the way. It's easy. All right? Statements you can make about God, most of which I don't fully understand but I accept it being absolute truth. And the Bible teaches this stuff, and God teaches this stuff to us. And you can't big up God. He is love. He loves more than you can possibly imagine. You, your family, the prodigals, we pray to get again this morning. Lord, bring that word true. Amen? Amen. Bring them in. But it's not shortage of love there. 
you can't out, up, big up God. He's almighty. Again, I sort of get that, but that sort of awesome power that calls a cosmos into being by word, whew, I don't really get it. There's no problem you face that's anything compared to for God. He is absolutely almighty. All-powerful, all-knowing, 1 John 3.20. You know, he knows everything. Maybe that's obvious, but just think how deep that is. Everything about us and what we're thinking and options and stuff as well. It's just awesome. You don't ever go, David says, you can't you know, run to east and west. I can't run away from your presence. No. God holds me entirely. And again, you see, he knows the best and worst of us and loves us the same. He knew exactly how mud a muppet I'd be when he, when he died for me. Right? But he chose, he loved me. Don't get, don't get emotional, Chris. Holy, you cannot, again, holy is a, is a difficult word for me. I, I know what it means roughly, so don't think wrong, but have you ever met anyone who's holy? We sometimes do things like, you know, holy objects, and God is holy, it's Eyes are too, too pure to look on evil, it says. Your eyes are too pure. I think it's um, uh, the Habakkuk thing. Eyes are too pure to look on evil. What's that mean? How does that, concept, can, how's that link with the idea that God's totally involved as he is in everything we do? I don't know. There's a lot of don't knows in this talk, sorry. But I know God who's absolutely holy. And sometimes I need to just collapse before him, fall face down and say, Lord... Your way is your way. Never try and outthink God either. His way is always the right way. It may not always seem to you. Infinite, most of that, is truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Faithful and just. Could put a lot more there. I just picked up ones that came to my head, I did it, where verses pretty much say, God is one of those things. And by the way, back to the very beginning, the Alpha and the Omega stuff. Uh, sometimes it's God speaking and sometimes Jesus speaking. All these truths are truth about God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. All right? I'm, I'm just often using the word God here, but it's not just God the Father who's absolute truth, so Jesus and Holy Spirit, all those things. The, the Alpha and Omega thing is written to reassure us that God is absolutely the beginning and the end. It's all together. And I think it raises our eyes, or should, well, the time, I want to raise our eyes a little bit in worship. Because how else can you respond apart from in worship? I don't really mind whether I worship his song or whatever else, but, but it has to be a, a falling down before God and saying, Lord, you are awesome. And there's an element of that which is, has to be, again, just fantastic gratitude that, that we have that amazing privilege of co-enforcing his kingdom. Your kingdom come, you will be done. But it's not something he's going to do by fear. It's something that we work together with. And the authority that you have to enforce is for us to enforce. And I don't get that either. It would frustrate me as God unbelievably to wait for Chris to work it out and do what he's supposed to do in the first place. But God is incredibly loving and incredibly patient. And you're going to stand. Got a word? You want to share it? 
the last tav is the tor, is the 22nd and final of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, sound T with dagesh. And it's meaning, I'm getting there, it's meaning is one, truth, two, a sign, three, life or death. That's interesting, isn't it? What's Aleph? That's the next talk. Okay. So let's just stand quietly in God's presence for a moment. Let's not do, do stuff for a minute. Just stand quietly. Just invite His Spirit to speak to you. Whatever aspect is the one that Holy Spirit like flex, flashes in your head, just thank Him for that. Whether it be love or faithfulness, His mightiness, the just amazing fact that we're His people, whatever comes. Allow Holy Spirit to, 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 to be with you, to direct you, to draw you in. But let's quietly just give God praise, worship, adoration for some aspects of who he is and what we know about him. This is, in a way, not a talk that gets us to do anything really. It's just to be in God's presence and just to revel in his presence. And we're going to be like Children and infants declaring his praise, which will silence the adversary. Take your time, come as we come to worship. Lord, we bless you that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Bless your name.